So tapering has started, says the Fed, and it's going to keep going to the middle of next year. But no talk of rate rises, so no surprises really from the FOMC. And Jerome Powell is still keen to point out inflation is being driven by supply chain disruption. So they don't want to lift rates till they see the job market heal further. And he gave us a definition of what transitory means. That's going to be useful. So that's the Fed done. Tonight it's the Bank of England. Is that going to be a very different story? Not long to wait. It's Thursday, the 4th of November, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, equities in the U.S. had run out of steam, but they've regained some ground since the Fed this morning and the press conference that followed the Dow is down, but less than it was, just 0.1% down now. It's 0.4% down earlier. The S&P has turned from a loss to a slight gain, 0.1% gain. The biggest gain has been the Nasdaq, which is up almost half a percent now. Treasury yields have climbed a little further. Ten years were up two basis points ahead of the announcement, up four now. Ahead of the Bank of England tomorrow, UK 10-year gilts are up four basis points as well. Small falls in yields across most of Europe, though. Uh, Ahead of the Fed, the dollar was wavering a little, but essentially flat on the day. Uh, We had a fall after the FOMC announcement, but it's climbed back fairly quickly, so no big moves there. The pound is the only major currency really showing any gains. It's up almost 0.4%. We had a slight move away from the yen and a move to the Swiss franc, but all of that was before the meeting. And big falls in oil, 3.8% off WTI, 2.8% down for Brent. In fact, big falls in many commodities this morning. But let's start on the Fed. They met an hour or so back. Uh, Jerome Powell has given his press conference and to talk through all of that, here's NAB's David Garris in London. Yep. So uh, so no uh, great moves from the Fed, no surprise there, but they will start tapering asset purchases by $15 billion this month, a further reduction in December and uh, then perhaps each month through to, to the middle of next year. Uh, I don't think there's any any surprises in any of this. Is the Dave? I mean, and, and also the fact that you know uh, he Jerome Powell in the press conference that followed reiterated that all of this is completely unlinked to the interest rate policy. In fact, he said this does not imply any direct signal on on interest rates, which again he is saying is all to do with uh, in, inflation being transitory, and they want to see jobs pick it up before they do anything. Pretty much, Phil. So, as you say, the market was absolutely prepared for the uh, for the taper announcement. I mean, <clears throat> even the, even the chair said that that was very very likely to happen. So <clears throat> that wasn't any surprise at all. And uh, you know, just listening to the uh, the press conference, seems to be one you know one one or two questions on the minds of questioners. There, one is the inflation question: how much of an issue is that? And, you know, he did say that he expected the inflation numbers would, he thought, would begin to improve in the second or third quarter of next year. So a little bit of uh, granularity about that. Uh, And asked a lot about the maximum employment. I think there's quite a lot of misunderstanding out there about exactly what that means. You know, does it mean one single unemployment rate? Obviously, it's a much more inclusive goal than that, but even Powell said that you know if things improve as they have over the past year, then they could be there. It's entirely conceivable they could be there by the end of next year. So um, it's still all to play for, and I'll, you know several questions tried to tease him out on you know what are the inflation risks? Um, yeah, what happens if yeah. inflation becomes a problem? How do you weigh that up against the unemployment and all those sorts of issues? As you would understand, so which he, which he answered and said, yeah, the Phillips curve doesn't apply. You know, it's, it's not. <laughs> it could be. It, it is all about uh, the uh, the supply constraints that we've got, and he said our tools can't address supply constraints. So it, uh-huh. and it's difficult to predict. He said as well because the timing is highly uncertain, because obviously it all depends on uh, on the virus and how that plays out. Yeah, absolutely, unless. Of course, we get one or two more 
print in that employment cost index or average hourly earnings suggesting that wages mm. are accelerating in real terms beyond productivity, then that would be an issue for the Fed. We're not at that point yet, but um, that's the $64,000 question, to, isn't it? Yes, it, it is difficult. It, it, I mean, even would it make any difference if you push the interest rates up if there's, uh, if there's still loads of people sitting at home and not working? No. I mean, it, well, I, I, you know, I, absolutely. I think, you know, the, the, the base case is they, want, they don't want to do it while there are still all those people not participating in the workforce. question is, will inflation force their hand? So they're, they're resisting that for the time being. But I guess time is not limitless there. That's all. He seemed, Jerome Powell seemed a little bit uncomfortable with, with the first he, question, which, I, yes. which came from the Wall Street Journal, where they said, have the markets got it wrong, anticipating one yes. or two rate rises next year. <laughs> there, was, uh, there, was, I mean, there was a bit of shuffling of papers there, Phil. <laughs> but his answer was right, wasn't it? He said, well, we focus on what we can control. Yes, yes uh, his answer think- was right, but he obviously took just – you know, it took a moment to compose himself and so forth. Well, how, but, how, um, how can I actually say I think the markets are wrong without actually saying I think the markets are wrong? That was the correct. Problem, He's thinking it? about how is he going to say that. But um, <laughs> it, it, look, he, he 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 was. I wouldn't say he was put under pressure. He didn't have difficulty answering questions, but wasn't his absolute best performance. Put it that way. Mm. But he did give us a definition of transitory. I like that. He uh, did you know, try to said, sort of clarify it, didn't he? Rather than say it just conti- means it's going to end soon. Yeah, it's not. It's not necessarily a time scale. It, yes. it means it won't leave behind persistent high inflation, even if it takes a long time for that yes. to happen. It's basically yeah. what he's saying, which is which is fair enough. But probably there's a better word for that, isn't there? I think um, so. And, and we, we did expect some sort of change in that transitory, and and we got that in the statement. Whether the statement is actually a lot clearer, well. Others can can judge that, but certainly he made a big effort to try and explain that. And so there's no surprise at all <laughs> today. I mean, and even on the tapering, we knew it was coming and we knew it wasn't going to be any more aggressive. You can't go aggressively on it. If you've been pumping so much money for so long, you, you've got to go easy on easing it off, haven't you? Uh, I think so. And we've also had the announcement today that while the tapering is coming, uh, the Treasury announced its latest quarterly um, um issuance program and that was cut by 17 million so that's mm. that's helpful from a bond market point of view just looking yeah. at price action filling in the bond in the in the treasury market it's been quite whippy in the past half an hour to an hour so um Market's a little bit all over the place. We'll see. So what else overnight? Well, we had the uh, ADP employment numbers. They took a leap forward in October. Not the magic million that uh, we've been talking about earlier in the year. Uh, but <laughs> We've been waiting for that one, Phil. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, has it, for this or for the non-farms. But look, there was an expectation that the growth might slow, but October was actually better than September. So mm. that, that's good. And largely the hosp- hospitality sector, wasn't it? Yes. A third of the new jobs were in hospitality. Yes. So um, I think the market often looks at the review to the previous number mm. as a sign of uh, you know what that might say about this month we didn't actually see a big revision downwards really so it's hardly revised at all so does that tell us that this number in an underlying terms because that's one of the feeders into the adp which is what's been happening to payrolls and then what's happening in their own survey in the month so but we had a similar flavor last month didn't we yeah. so you know it's all to play for here but and 571, it was still a um, still a bigish number, yeah. or bigish by recent standards anyway. Yeah, still a way to go though, isn't it? And it's not been a great bellwether, has it, lately? Absolutely. Me? So we'll see what we'll see what Friday brings. But look, a, a nice boost in non-manufacturing ISMs for October in the US from 61.9 to 66.7. So it shows that there is growth where there isn't this supply constraint, doesn't it? You know, there's and uh, and obviously services is about 80 percent of the economy. So you know, we've got to pay attention to this number. 
Absolutely. It's, it's a much bigger sector than the manufacturing sector, you know, where these supply chain issues have been extremely um, prominent. But yeah. as you said, orders are still rising um, despite supply chain issues. So, the other, I mean, in both the US ISM and the UK um, PMI, Phil, the, the two big messages for me, one, one was that, Orders still seem to be quite robust. Yeah, um, and um, I think in the U- the US one, new orders were a um, a record, weren't they? Sixty nine point yeah. seven, which is a big number, up up six points. Uh, the other thing was the prices component was jumping, uh, backlogs getting longer, um, supplier deliveries slowing down. So. You know, these things are not telling – it's just telling you that um, these factors remain a continuing handbrake on growth, perhaps a larger handbrake on growth than what we've seen of late. And it was a pretty similar read-through, wasn't it, in the UK Mm. PMI as well, where you had an overall index of 59 and uh, new orders at 58.4, and yet the prices component, you know, we had the VAT going up in October, and that's probably part of it. But the fact that they can just – pass that on in, in the hospitality sector, um, it, it tells you something about pricing power of companies out there. Yeah, absolutely. People just are desperate to eat out, aren't they? So, which is where a lot of that, that uh, VAT or DST cut went. So, uh, prices charged in that survey, uh, they, they rose the, the highest since that survey began, which was in uh, July 1996. Uh, but as you say, yeah. people, are, people are wearing it. So, I mean, doesn't all of that point, if the service sector is, is reasonably strong, I mean, my point was, you know, doesn't that mean that things could bounce back once we're over these supply chain difficulties and then doesn't that mean when central banks are talking about uh this be this being very transitory in nature uh you know perhaps they're right you know get over the supply chains and, and the the manufacturing sector will bounce back as much as the service sector well i think it's quite positive and that's that's sixty four thousand dollar question how quickly we're going to get over these supply chain issues mm. so just uh talking about lumber this morning i mean that peaked back in may but it's, it's back to its lows of you know the past year or so now is that indicative of what's going to happen in some of these other sectors like, you know, auto chips and so forth? And we saw some of that in the US factory orders report today. <clears throat> yeah. But you're right. Uh, it, it, it hasn't killed the demand side, that's for sure. If anything, it still looks pretty strong from yeah. these indicators today. So that raises the question, what's the Bank of England going to do then? Are they going, are they going to announce a rate decision? Uh, it's late on tonight, of course, Australia time. Are, are they going to push rates up or are they going to go slow, you know, like the Fed? Well, I think this is a unique opportunity because obviously they haven't uh, uh, changed the bank rate since they cut last year. Mm. Unique opportunity to um, to guide the market on the sort of rate profile that they might be thinking about at the present time. So in, in a strange way, they can do that by increasing the rates by 15 basis points tonight and by using its inflation forecast to so say that if they use the market's rate forecast, then they're going to have a quite low inflation forecast and too low for the Bank of England. And if they did it gently, then their inflation forecast, you know, would be much more palatable. So this, you know, they might be trying to guide the market towards, say, you know, half to three quarters of a percent um, uh, level of the bank rate rather than, you know, getting to one or more than one in the next 12 to 18 months. So, and I guess the other thing is the signalling from the Bank of England, the governor there, has been that, you know, the market has taken that as a sign that they're going to increase rates. Economists are split down the middle in the, in the latest survey I saw, but 
the market certainly priced in that they will hike. So mm. if they don't hike, the market's going to be wondering about has that signal been reliable or not. Right, so they almost have to, don't they? And look, I, I, <laughs> it's interesting, the high street banks in the UK have already started lifting their fixed interest rates in, in anticipation of this. So some of them as much as a quarter percent, actually, because, uh, you know, we, and, and I know that, uh, you know, the bank will say, well, we're not interested in house prices. It's not really our concern. But, you know, they figures out today show that they're up 10% year on year. So, indeed, so, I mean, indeed, and of course that reflects the fact that medium to longer term interest rates have um, have gone all gone up, so it's pushing up cost of funds for banks, I guess. Yeah. Now uh, the ECB quickly before uh, we, our final central bank, which uh, they met last week, by the way, Dave. Just in case you're wondering. Uh, so if, <laughs> if you believe Christine Lagarde uh, today, she's giving a speech in Lisbon. Uh, she says, you know, the conditions uh, haven't been met for a hike, despite the current inflation surge. The outlook for inflation over the medium term remains subdued but the market yes. has uh, lowered its its expectations hasn't it a little bit yes well it's certainly nowhere near as aggressive as what they have for some <laughs> other central banks particularly mm. you know the reserve bank uh, rbnz bank of england and the like um so you know she's been pretty clear in what she's saying there you know the conditions are not there for a rate rise and she got clear back up from the governor from the bank bank de france today so uh, villaroy so yeah pretty clear that the message there and uh, I think that message is sort of getting through it's just not surprising that there is a sort of a, a risk of a rise towards the end of next year but uh, not much before that. Yeah and very quickly on oil we haven't talked about it for the last few days but uh, we're seeing uh, the uh, EIA is reporting an increase in crude oil stocks uh, Yes. again we saw overnight up 3.3 million barrels uh, last week it was up the week before that. Interesting that you got Joe Biden asking OPEC plus to produce more oil but clearly they're having difficulty using what's being produced right now yeah it's interesting it's getting to interesting levels i think phil just from a market point of view so it's been around that 83 84 85 dollars barrel range and here we are just over 82 dollars for brent so yeah it was already going down before the uh the weekly uh inventory report and it's um chipped another dollar since then so mm. um you know it, we you know we've got Strong demand indications, um, but, you know, central banks possibly increasing interest rates. So it's, uh, it's mixed messages out there for the oil price right now, yeah, that's for is. sure. Mixed messages everywhere. In fact, there is news coming in that nuclear talks are going to resume with Iran. This is the Iran saying this. So on the 29th of November in Vienna, that's happening. That has pushed oil even lower, another 1% lower just now, beyond uh, what we said at the beginning of the podcast. It's hard to keep track, isn't it? Look, we get Australia's balance of trade today. We get the final numbers for retail sales, the, the services PMI for Germany in the evening uh the weekly jobless claims for the united states but really it's all eyes on the bank of england tonight isn't it indeed good to talk catch you again next time cheers phil and that's it that's the morning call for this thursday morning i'm phil dobby for now back again tomorrow morning gavin friend joining us from nab in london then i'll see you then thanks for listening